All right, uh, we on page 60, 68. Yeah. On the last session in unit one. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, as usual, we begin with question number one. What are some unique ways people share exciting personal announcements? Unique ways people share exciting announcements that you have seen recently or over time. Social media. Social media, okay. That seems to be a good one that people use, but what are some unusual or unique ways? Something that you've seen that you've never seen before and say, wow, I never thought about that. The, um, you know the banner with the airplanes? Okay, the airplane banner. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. In the sand. Hmm? Like those people getting engaged, like they write in the sand. Okay. All right. <laughs> Writing in the sand. <laughs> That's out of the ordinary. Any others? Not by telephone. <laughs> That's not unusual. Okay. No, it has common. <laughs> okay. All right, let's look at uh, Bible Meets Life then. On March 2nd, 2018, millions of people watched the funeral of Billy Graham. One of the most memorable moments of the service came from Graham's youngest daughter, Ruth, when she told about going through a messy divorce and desiring a fresh start. She moved away and started dating another man. They quickly married, but within 24 hours, Ruth knew she had made a terrible mistake. She told the audience, you don't want to embarrass your father. You really don't want to embarrass Billy Graham. As she drove to her parents' home, Ruth said, my father was standing there waiting for me. As I got out of the car, he wrapped his arms around me and said, welcome home. There was no shame, there was no blame, there was no condemnation. Just unconditional love. My father was not God, but he showed me what God was like that day. When we come to God with our sin, our brokenness, our failure, our pain, and our hurt, God says, welcome home. Ruth's testimony of her father's faithfulness and forgiveness was a powerful reminder of our heavenly father's love. Okay, so most of us can tell of our own stories of failure and redemption. Everybody has one, right? I don't even nobody. I don't know have a story of failure and redemption. We've all got a story like Ruth. Yeah. What's the point? The point is life changing encounter life changing encounter with Christ should be shared with others. That's true. Okay. Testimonies. Your life changing encounter with Christ should be shared by shared with others someone will be able to get something from your testimony. We freely share with others the milestones and life-changing events in our lives. People publicize engagements and wedding notices. New parents post lots of pictures online of their newborn child. We do the same with graduations, new jobs and adoptions and retirements. One event is more life-changing than all others a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing like it. Regardless of our past failures, we can know Christ, and that is worth sharing 
with others. And uh, people's lives are changed and transformed when we share our encounter with Christ and our relationship, that how, li- how our lives have changed as a result of knowing him. Let's pray. Father, help us to share with others how Christ has changed our lives whenever you give us the opportunity to do so. Wherever we are, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, and um, that, that sharing of your testimony can make the difference between eternal life and eternal death for somebody. Think about it like that. Okay, we have a couple of passages to read. Uh, just two, I believe. Yeah, two. Um, yeah, three. So let's look at the setting before we get into the first one, which is four, John 4, 10 to 14. During the first year of Jesus' ministry, his popularity began to grow and he left Judea to avoid confrontations with the Pharisees and the disciples of John the Baptist. Jesus and his disciples traveled toward Galilee on a journey that took them through Samaria. They came to Jacob's well, located near Sychar. Jesus spoke with a Samaritan woman, and for the first time in his public ministry, he announced he was the Messiah. We never thought about that, eh? That was the first time he announced in in his public ministry that he was the Messiah, in that encounter with a Samaritan woman. Uh, wasn't a big uh, teaching session. It was a one-on-one encounter yes. with a Samaritan woman that he made that first public declaration or announcement that he was the Messiah, the promised Messiah. Okay, let's look at the first passage. John 4. Go ahead. 10 to 14. Yeah, top shelf. Top drawer. Yeah, I think there's a couple more there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone there? Anyone there? Please. One more? Then there's one more. Anybody need it? Anybody else need it? Dave, you didn't get a book. Oh, you wasn't here? Oh, yeah. Two. Yeah, okay. Anybody else need one? Last two. One need better, Dave. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Paul. All right. Go ahead, Read off. John chapter 4, verses 10 to 14. Page 17. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You are greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water, springing up in him for eternal life. A failed marriage, seasons of disappointment, embarrassed and shunned by others. It's not as uncommon as one might imagine, especially in today's culture. But five marriages and a current living boyfriend was not the cultural norm in the first century. No wonder the woman we encountered in John 4 found herself gathering water at the hottest part of the day 
when no one else would be around. Except on this day. On this day, she had an encounter with a man who would change her life for eternity. Jesus met the woman at Jacob's well. It would be rare for a Jew to visit this well since it was now located in Samaritan country and Jews and Samaritans viewed each other with great contempt. The Samaritan women's meeting with Jesus at the well was extraordinary. Of course, every encounter with Jesus is remarkable, but this conversation was especially unique. Jesus spoke to a Samaritan. Samaritans were a mixed race people, Jews who had intermarried with people from other nations. The Jews considered them a threat to the purity of Israel, unclean and pagan. Even the utensil the Samaritan woman would have been considered unclean. Yet Jesus accepted it from her for a drink of water, John 4, 7. Jesus had a theological conversation with the woman. Women were not invited in theological discussions, yet Jesus discussed authentic worship and spiritual matters with her. Jesus revealed his humanity. Jesus is fully God, but he is also fully man, and he experienced the same physical hunger and thirst any traveler would. Even though Jesus was physically thirsty, he would use his need as an opportunity to talk about living water. Jesus revealed his divinity. This is the first recorded incident where Jesus acknowledged he is the Messiah. Verses 25-26. On other occasions, Jesus wanted his identity concealed, but he gave no such instruction to the Samaritan woman. All this centered around a basic human need. Jesus needed water to drink, but he turned the conversation from his physical need for water to the woman's greater need for living water. First, Jesus had to get her to move beyond the concept of literal water to the greater spiritual water. In a physical sense, the prospect of never thirsting for water was highly appealing. To be continually filled with an engaging item for anyone, but especially for this ostracized woman who was forced to walk to the well by herself in the heat of the day. But Jesus had something far greater in mind, and she was now thirsty to hear more. Jesus brought her to the point of seeing her need, a need only God could fill. God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. Psalm 63 and 1. All right. And then we notice on the map, we notice uh, where Psycho, this is Samaria here, where the woman was. And uh, Psycho was between Shechem and Samaria. And so this is where the woman was right here. Uh, and um, we note a couple of things pointed out um, in the. In the passage, Jesus spoke to a Samaritan woman, who was a half-breed, we would call him today. Um, and then, uh, which was people who were kind of despised in the community. What kind of people are despised in our community today? Asians. Asians, right? So you 
kind of put her in that category. Nobody really wanted really have anything to do with people like that, okay, to despise them. Okay, a couple of things. Um, uh, Jesus made the, the account of it, the woman's conversation, uh, it was, was unique. Uh, first of all, we mentioned she was a half-breed, so he spoke of a half-breed. They wouldn't, Jews would not, never, wouldn't even come near that person. Uh, they would, if they saw that person on one side, just on the same side of the street with them, they'd cross the street and go on the other side. Okay, and then he had a theological conversation with this woman. All right, um, that was unusual. Not only, you know, spent talking to the woman, but having this kind of a conversation with her. And then he revealed his humanity to this woman. And then he also revealed his divinity. Uh, to this woman. Okay, so it was a unique conversation, wasn't it? Yes. Okay, it wasn't, hey, give me some water. <laughs> no, it was more than that. Oh, I thirsty. Give me a drink. It was more than that. Um, she addressed him as sir. Notice that? Yes common and respected form of address. And in words, she highly respected Jesus. Several times in John's Gospel, Jesus used the literary device of misunderstanding to teach spiritual truth by using that term. Okay, Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this well will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty, will never get thirsty again. The water Jesus gives will become a well of water springing up in him to eternal life. Everybody would want, want that kind of water, right? Yes. That's the best kind of water to have. Yeah. You know, people have a choice of water that they drink. What kind of water do you have as a yes. choice? Chelsea's choice. Who have another choice? Aquapure. Aquapure. Anybody have another choice? Right. Bahama Claire. Bahama Claire. All right. Any others? Well, she had the utensils yeah. to get it. Yeah. Oh. She had the, 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 the equipment to get it. She had it but then so the depth of the bell wasn't really an issue. So the bell is deep. So mm -hmm. I was wondering. Mm -hmm. she, she pointed that out. Yeah. And that was a good uh, point for Jesus to rely on because he talked about the, 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 the quality of the water that she will get. Okay. Question number two. How, um, yeah, let's look at digging deeper. Since that's a small, uh, smaller uh, passage, we should look at that. Yes. Uh, breaking all the rules. Yes. Uh, Jesus constantly, constantly got in trouble with the rule keepers. Society dictates certain things a person should and should not do. These social convictions were informed by religious beliefs, ethnic history, and community expectations. 
Jesus seemed to break all the rules when he made a simple request of a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well in this passage. Local customs were clear. Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. According to verse 9. Okay, that's a broken rule right there. Two, gender issues. Men and women seldom engage in public conversation. Broken rule number two. Okay. Three, a holy man would never risk defilement by drinking from an unclean bucket, a vessel that belonged to an unclean, immoral Samaritan woman. Okay, that was a no-no. Big no-no. No, no, no. <laughs> and then four, only men studied the scriptures. Jesus engaged her in a theological conversation answering her questions. Jesus treated this Samaritan woman as if she was as important to God as a Jewish holy man. Jesus made it clear it was time for all people, yes. Jew or Samaritan, men or women, clean or unclean, to worship the one true God. Yes. Who would have thought, give me a drink, would be such a provocative request? <laughs> one simple request, give me a drink, became such a request. Okay, question number two. How can social differences keep us from engaging with others in order to share the gospel? Pride, okay. Also breaking the rules. You know, there are some expectations in society uh, that would prevent us from doing what Jesus did here. Broken the rules. Okay, so social differences keep us from engaging with others. What are some of the social differences that would keep us uh, bearing in mind some of the things that were mentioned here in Digging Deeper? What are some of the social differences? We know these are the social differences. In Digging Deeper, these were the social differences in that time. What are some in our time that would, would keep us from engaging with others in the share of the gospel? Thinking that our religion is more superior than others. Okay, thinking that our religion is more superior than others. Okay, or they won't understand, or they won't get it. Some people say, well, I'm going to this church, but you go to that Jewish church, and, you know, there's okay. there. My church is better than your church. Yeah. Well, different people, Jews, yeah, okay. We cut from different cloth. All right. Okay. We're having something and I was trying to invite some I was talking to a woman about coming coming to the cashier who was a member from the big people church. You're inviting people to the old dead church. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But we get to heaven before you. <laughs> okay, some people consider that um, the church is dead. I don't know, it's dangerous. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I said, the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise first. Okay. Okay. So the dead gets scared the dead. The dead get their point. I should jump in the face and stand because I should be the dead. You can get to heaven before her. But it was just a walk right there. 
I think you should say that if two Christians they can make more than two. Can't get along. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> okay. You need to be careful of those encounters. Okay. Next we will see what happens when Jesus related revealed that revealed that he is all knowing. That must have been an eye-opener for this woman. When Jesus revealed to her that he knows everything, he's all-knowing. Look at the next passage. John 15, 4, 15 to 18. Sir, the woman said to him, Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty, and come here to draw water. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said. For you had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. <laughs> Jesus didn't hesitate to confront the woman in her sin. She didn't deny her sin either. The mass was off. Just as we saw Jesus' humanity in his need for water, we now see his omniscience. Omniscience. <laughs> omniscience. Omniscience. <laughs> We will remain without the living water that comes from a forgiving relationship with Christ. Rachel Bellin Hollander stated this bluntly when Dr. Larry Nasser was sentenced for his horrific crimes of sexual assault. Rachel was the first to file a criminal complaint against Nasser, a former doctor to the United States Women's Gymnastics Team. In her statement before the court, she said, I pray you experience the soul-crushing weight of guilt so you may someday experience true repentance and true forgiveness from God, which you will need far more than forgiveness from me. So I extend that to you as well. Continue. Continue. Yes, go on. Confronting our sin is only the first step. What we do once we confront it makes all the difference. Confession. Confession is more than admitting wrong. It is seeing our sin as God sees it. He hates sin. Yes. Proverbs 15, 9. And desiring to have nothing more to do with it. <coughs> Repentance. Repentance is turning totally from sin and turning to Christ. It is a determined decision to walk with God and make Him the Lord of our lives. Confession and repentance go hand in hand. With confession, we express sorrow for the sin we've committed, and with repentance, we turn and go to the opposite direction. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1 and 9. Joy. When we confess and repent, God forgives and the result is joy. Joy for the sinner who has been forgiven and joy in heaven over the one who repents. 
How joyful is the one whose transgressions, transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, Psalms 32.1. I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents, Luke 15.10. Okay, so when we look at verse 16, uh, we notice something interesting. To help this woman understand his meaning, what he was really talking about, Jesus focused her attention more directly on her personal life. Right? Yes. Jesus asked her to go call her husband and then come back. Or go get your husband and bring him here. Alright? Jesus knew all about her personal life. Okay? He knew that she wouldn't be able to bring no husband. Okay? Uh, so Jesus knew all about a person. We call this quality God's omniscience. From two Latin words, omni meaning all, and sentia meaning knowledge. God is all-knowing. He possesses all knowledge. And that's what Jesus was demonstrating here with this woman. Another proof point that he was totally God and totally man. Totally God and totally. As Jesus, as man, Jesus was and is a man of action. First, he commanded the woman to go. That was a command. He wasn't asking her. He was commanding her to go. The word appears some 79 times in 11 forms in the Greek New Testament, frequently on Jesus' lips. Second, Jesus commanded the woman to come back, bringing her husband along with her. Okay, that was a command too. Here's where it began to get very personal to the Samaritan woman. Samaritan woman, verses 17 and 18, answered by telling Jesus she did not have a husband. And Jesus responded to this assertion by acknowledging that she answered correctly. He knew what the answer was. He just wanted to know if this woman was going to be truthful or not, whether she was going to lie or not. And so Jesus demonstrated divine insight into her personal life. He gave the reason for his statement that she had answered correctly. Jesus responded, you have had five husbands. Can you imagine the shock this woman must have felt? This man is strange. She never saw this man before. Never saw him before in her life. And the man is telling her exactly what she's doing in her life. Okay? She may have thought, who is this man? Who is this fellow? Okay? And so Jesus told her, you had five husbands, and the sweetheart you're living with now ain't your husband. Okay. <laughs> Some people have problems with just one. <laughs> Some people can, can barely make it with just one. She had five. Okay. Okay, so the number five. The number five has provoked some interesting interpretations. Some scholars view John's using this number as referring to five so-called gods from five Mesopotamian and Syrian cities in the Assyrians' conquered lands and the imported into Samaria in 722 BC and following uh, 2nd Kings 17 24. Formerly Samaria had been called the Northern Kingdom 
Israel or the ten tribes. However, these so-called gods were not worshipped in succession, but the woman's husbands were successive. Okay, she had one after the other. I guess she was a collector. You know, people are there some collectors, you know. She must have been a collector. So in reality, five simply states the number of husbands this woman had married. Jewish rabbis usually would allow a woman to be married only twice. But in some cases, they would allow her to be married a third time. Yet this woman was not a Jew. So the opinion of the rabbis mattered little, if at all. <laughs> Nevertheless, for a woman to be married five times indicated real problems in her life. <laughs> okay? Because there were some real problems, right? Real problems. To be married five times. Okay, but Jesus, notice Jesus pointed out the steps after sin is confronted. Repentance, confession, and joy. Uh, and uh, we have a quote here on page 75 by Liz Curtis Hicks. Two things happen when we meet the Christ and see him for who he really is. We confess our sins openly and we share the good news of forgiveness freely. That confession, testimony, if you will, comes effortlessly. It's the fragment aroma of a heart that is set free. Yes. Okay, so this woman couldn't help herself in confessing the truth uh, when she confronted Jesus. Okay, next we will see the Samaritan woman's unusual response when she realized that Jesus was the Messiah. Next passage, 40 verses 28 to 30. Uh, question 3. Oh yeah, question three. Why is it difficult to confront people about sin in their lives? Shame. Okay. Shame. The guilt. Okay, shame, guilt. Embarrassment. Okay, some people will tell you that ain't none of your business. All right. Okay. Yeah, some people tell you don't get in their business. Yeah. Don't just show them counsel them wisely. Yeah, you have to think that. Counsel them wisely. Okay, next passage, 2830. Then the woman left for water jar, went into town, and told the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. Keywords, the Messiah, verse 29. This title comes from words that mean anointed one. The Hebrew comes into English as Messiah, while the Greek comes into English as Christ. In that moment, the Samaritan woman tasted the living water, John 4.10. She left her water jar and ran to tell others. She didn't forget her jar. She wasn't being absent-minded. She just couldn't wait to go into town to tell others about the stranger who knew everything about her, the Messiah and his gift of living water. 
She was eager to tell everyone, even those who had kept her at arm's length because of her lifestyle. One of my favorite words in the Bible is come. Come is the invitation Jesus extends to anyone who will leave his or her sin and follow him. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Matthew 11, 28. The Samaritan woman extended a similar invitation to all the people in her town. Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. It was not a demand, but an appeal inspired and motivated by her joy of encountering the Messiah who changed her life and soon would change theirs as well. John 4, 39-42 As a young child, I made a decision to follow Christ. I wanted to tell everyone about my decision. With all the gusto of a famous musician combined with the zeal of a traveling evangelist, I danced in Aria and sang at the top of my lungs the old song, I'll tell the world that I'm a Christian. When Jesus the Messiah meets us where we are and redeems our failure, relentlessly pursues us and never gives up on us, gives us a righteousness we cannot attain except through his grace. We want others to know this woman's testimony spread and verse 39 gives us the result. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me everything I ever did. A changed life is one that others notice and a changed life comes from being forgiven. It's not hard to imagine Jesus saying the same thing about the Samaritan woman that he said later about another woman he set free from her sin. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. That's why she loved much. Luke 4, Luke 7, 47. The Samaritan woman understood and accepted the forgiveness and grace extended to her. Every heart has a thirst that can only be quenched with the living water found in a new life in Christ. Just as water is vital to our lives, spiritual water that feeds our spirits is a gift of God that can only be received through forgiveness of sin. Okay, a couple of things about this woman's response. First, she left a water jar. Okay, now what was the purpose going to the purpose for going to the well? Yeah, water. To get water. After this conversation, she forgot all about water. Yeah. Alright? She left the jar and what did she do? She ran. She ran into town uh, to tell people about this encounter that she had. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second, uh, this the first thing is she left the jar to the well at the well. Forgot all about water, what she came for. That happens when people get excited, right? Yes. Okay, and then she went into town. I noticed this wasn't just right around the corner. Okay, this town was like half a mile. That's a, a, a alarm I got telling me that I gotta go. <laughs> go where? I got a meeting. <laughs> I got a meeting to go to, so. Oh, okay. Uh, means our time is up. Yeah, okay. Okay, so she went, this is about half a mile into town. Okay. Okay, so this wasn't right around the corner, around the block. Okay, that's excited, how excited she was. And then thirdly, to tell the people in the town of the experience with Jesus. Okay, I met this man, he's, I never saw anybody like him before. He's unusual. 
Okay, so those are the three things that this woman did. Uh, um, the next question we have is question number four. What are some spiritual experiences you just can't keep to yourself like this woman had? Okay, you had an experience and like this woman you went to do something and because of this experience you forgot all about what you came to do. Anybody had an experience like that? Spiritual experience you just can't keep to yourself. Went somewhere and didn't have no money and someone paid for something for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> okay, or you go to the store to buy something and you have an encounter and it was so exciting that you forget what you're going to the store for because of this experience. Mm -hmm. Okay, next question. What obstacles prevent us from being more open about our encounter with Jesus? Fear of not being believed. Okay, fear of not being believed. Okay. What else? Some people just embarrass, right? Yeah, it's embarrassed, like you said. Yeah. All right, let's look at it, live it out. Share it. Oh, share it. Share it. I'm so, sorry, I want to share it. Yes. Okay, every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every person this side of hell. Every lost. Every lost person this side of hell. David Platt, radical... David Platt, was, that was a quote from David Platt. Mm -hmm. Radical, Taking Back Your Faith from the American Dream mm -hmm. is his book. Write down the name of one person you know who needs to hear the good news of Christ. Quentin Wayne Sanders. Okay. Anybody has got a name? Thor Hadley. Thor Hadley? Okay, anybody has got a name? Someone who needs to hear the gospel. Pray daily for this person. Yes. Take steps to start a conversation about faith with this person. Okay, so that's the task. Okay, live it out, page 77. Share your encounter with Christ. Consider one of these options for the days ahead in this coming week. First one is write. Contemplate your personal faith story. Write it down and pray for the Lord to open the door for you to share it with someone this week. Post your written testimony online. Pray. Begin a list of people you know who need to accept Christ as their personal savior. Ask a group. As a group, begin consistently praying for them. Consider prayer walking as a group in an area close to your church or in your neighborhood. And thirdly, share. Learn a simple evangelistic presentation you can use when you begin gospel conversations. Incorporate this presentation with your own personal testimony of a changed life in Christ. Amen. Amen. Okay. So we need to be reminded that it's important uh, for us to share our faith in Jesus with others who have made a commitment to follow him. Yes. Father, thank you for the reminder and the joy of knowing Jesus and our responsibility of sharing the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, with others. Help us to be mindful, O oh Lord, that that is our calling while we remain and await uh, for advance into our eternal home. We ask your blessings upon our time again, and we pray, Lord, your benediction as we leave this place, but not your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.